Experience the beauty and emotion of Lent and Easter with Christianity Today's newest devotional, Easter, in the everyday. Thoughtful readings from a variety of pastors, theologians, and writers invite you into the emotional stages of Christ's journey, from humility to hope to love. Beginning on Ash Wednesday and ending at Pentecost, this digital devotional is perfect for individual or group study. Get it today at orderct.com slash easter24. Welcome to the Transforming Discipleship Podcast brought to you by smallgroups.com. It's a podcast designed for church leaders who desire to make disciples for Jesus Christ in the world. I'm your host, Oliver Hersey, and today we're joined by executive pastor and author Bill Search, as well as the vice president and ministry resources for Christianity Today, Rob Toll. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Yeah, doing fabulous. Safe, healthy. I'm doing great. Thanks, Oliver. It's good to have you guys on, and uh, as we all are very aware right now, Many parts of the United States are beginning to stall to a staggering stop. And Rob, we were texting over the weekend and you suggested that perhaps we need to immediately address how the COVID-19 virus is beginning to impact discipleship. Uh, felt fitting for a Transforming Discipleship podcast that we would discuss that. And so we're diving right into that based on the context we're in. Um, you sent a picture, I mean, that picture you texted Bill and I mm. of just a cleared out jewel. How, what was that like? Yeah, well, you know, I didn't expect it. So I went into Jewel, which is a grocery store here in the Chicagoland area. And first of all, it was packed and people were behaving frenetically, you know, almost felt like they were going back and forth scattered. And they had carts piled, like mounds piled high of supplies. And I just happened to start noticing, you know, one guy had like, had to be like, eight or 10 things of sugar, right? Like giant containers of sugar. And someone else had Dorito bags piled to the sky in their cart. I'm like, how many Doritos can you eat? I mean, I don't know what he's planning for. And then I, you know, walked past that toilet paper aisle and it was empty, completely empty. And as I walked around more, more shelves were empty. The flour was all gone. And actually I was supposed to be picking up some flour for my wife. And you know, I just, I, I was a little surprised by what was going on. But then as I thought about it, uh, and I was talking with my wife on the phone during it, I was just struck by the fact that this just shows us where people are at, yeah, right? Yeah. More so than what they're doing. It, it just helps us get a flavor for where people in our culture and our society are at. And it really is about fear, I think. I think you're onto something that in a material-based culture, part of the sense of well-being and protection is the stuff of our lives. And so it almost makes sense. It sort of displays where our trust is, is that if I have a fear, I go out and grab a bunch of stuff and bring it into my life. I, I Whether that's bags of sugar, maybe that guy's a baker working <laughs> at a cookie factory or something, yeah. but, but you're absolutely right. There's no rationality to it, except for, I suppose, that in the anxiety of the moment, people are comforted by a full pantry. Yeah. It'd be so interesting to do a study on all the different grocery carts you've walked by. It tells right. you a lot about a person's life. And when, I think one of our things our ministry leaders are thinking right now as they listen to this, they, they've probably had similar experiences to yours, Rob, and, and they're tracking with that. And I can't help but wonder, these ministry leaders are shepherding lots of 
parishioners and community members in their church organizations and their parachurch organizations. And I think a lot of people are afraid and anxious. That's mm-hmm. why my wife was at the store yesterday and the line was tremendous. And she just needed some potatoes, you know, a few things that we needed for dinner. And I can't help but wonder how you guys would answer this question. Where is God in all of this? And how can we help ministry leaders think through that well with their communities? Where do you guys see God in all of this? What do you think, Bill? Well, you know, I think there's a great opportunity in it. I I think that in some ways, these situations cause us to self-reflect and see where, uh, where kind of the gaps are in our own spiritual maturity. So when when my instinct is to go and fill up my trunk with a year's supply of toilet paper, knowing that at worst this thing may be two or three months, uh, you know, when I have gone and grabbed hold of things, it tells me that my trust is not necessarily in the Lord. There's nothing wrong with preparedness, of course, but when it moves from preparedness to greed or fear-driven consumption, then it gives us an opportunity to self-reflect and go, oh, there's an area of my life I should grow in. This is an area that now I look in a mirror and realize I'm not proud of this. I, I, I feel a little bit ashamed that I have resorted to this and I'm not pleased with that. And if the Holy Spirit's living inside of us, you trust the Spirit to speak into us. And when the Spirit speaks into us and says, hey, is this what a follower of Christ should act like, it gives us the chance to assess that and go, no, I'm going to let God challenge me here and grow me here. Yeah. Well, in two different but interrelated things, sort of extended from that, Bill, the first is, I wonder, who are we listening to? As a culture, obviously, there's lots of voices out there. And a friend and I were reflecting yesterday during a walk, uh, six feet apart, that uh, <laughs> not, not to, <laughs> we kept our distance, but we were reflecting on how with this particular pandemic, because we've had these before, there's been warnings, right? Ebola, Bill, you mentioned SARS. I mean, you go through the list. The fact is that we have Twitter now, we have Instagram, we have Facebook. And so the spread of information is much quicker. So it seems to gain speed a lot quicker, where before it didn't. And he deals with the financial markets, so he's seeing it very acutely right now. Um, So I, as a believer, am always considering, who am I listening to? Because there's plenty of voices out there, and I think Jesus would tell us Not all of them speak truth. Not all of them speak from a kingdom perspective. And so I think that was a key thing for me in all of this. It's important that those voices we're listening to, we want to gain wisdom and insight. So we do want to keep up to speed on what this disease is doing Mm -hmm. and and the people who are being impacted by it. That's important. So we we want to enter into the media critically and think through it. But at the same time, their revenue is based off of our fear. And that is going to be what they're often speaking into. So we also want to find other things and other sources of information that can help us. And Rob, I loved it over the weekend. You texted a passage to us, to Bill and I, that I thought was so pertinent. And it was in 2 Chronicles 20, a passage that I'm sure every one of you have just read (laughs) 
recently. Um, but it's a beautiful passage. And I just want to read the first few verses because I think it offers us some insight into leadership in this moment of crisis. It's the scene where one of the kings in ancient Israel, Jehoshaphat, is dealing with a pretty intense political crisis where the people in the south, the Moabites, are coming along with the people in the north, the Ammonites coming. And there's a collision course happening right in the center where Judah is. And it's overwhelming for Jehoshaphat. And he's trying to figure out how they're going to manage this war. And so some people come in verse two, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom and from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar. That is En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. That's his response. He proclaims a fast. And then the people of Judah come together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So they gather. They didn't have to deal with the social distancing dilemma that we have. But then Jehoshaphat does this. He stands up in verse 5 in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard, and he said this, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? He opens with a beautiful prayer for the people to the Lord, and he opens it with a question. Who are you, God? Are you not the God of heaven? And so as I thought about that, Robin, you sent this passage to us to think about. And I just thought, this is, this is what this leader does. This is a leadership 101 move for, I think, Christians in a difficult, trying, fear-producing moment. The first thing we want to be doing is going to Scripture and drawing from that as well as the media. But at the same time, we turn and we pray. And so the question I was wondering from you guys is as you hear that and as you think about that, how— would you suggest people pray? And what do the prayers look like in these provoking times? How can we lead others in corporate prayer? And then maybe what are the other ways we can encourage people to respond outside of just prayer? Because prayer is one avenue, but there's so many other avenues I think we need. Yeah. Well, even before we get there, though, what's interesting or what struck me this time as you were reading it was this idea that people follow their leaders. I mean, how remarkable that the people of Judah actually listened, gathered in Jerusalem, and fasted and prayed with the king. But what I thought about was that this king was a king who had his priorities straight, right? He was a king renowned for following Yahweh. And as a result, the people followed Yahweh too, and, and, you know, we've seen it, I've seen it over and over in ministry. As the leaders go, so the church goes. And so really, I think first of all, as leaders, we have to see that we actually have a calling and a mandate to lead the way in this, right? Whenever we have tumultuous times, whenever there's trouble, people always look to leaders. I mean, we've seen it here inside Christianity today, back in December and even again now, the people who work here in this organization, in this ministry, really look to leaders to set the tone. And I love the tone that Jehoshaphat sets because he does say by doing what he did and by saying what he said that we are dependent upon the Lord. We are dependent upon Yahweh when it comes down to it, regardless of the situation. That's a big thing to remember. So as ministry leaders, group leaders, how we behave 
how we approach this Mm -hmm. speaks volumes and really enables people to step into a space where they can maybe be honest, but then also they know where to go with it. And Bill, you had mentioned that yesterday is about the being honest part. And can you just, it was so good. Can you say more? Yeah, I I think that this demonstrates kind of what I was getting at a little bit earlier is this demonstrates who we really are. So as you mentioned, you know, you're referencing a great king who is a faith-filled man. So when a crisis came, the foundation of strong faith was already there. But this crisis that we find ourselves in today, it has a potential to reveal the strength of our faith, but also some holes in our faith. And so this is just a great reminder as leaders in the church to be the people of God, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and to form us, because we are now in a legitimate crisis situation. And great leaders are already, you know, strong people before the crisis hits. It's just a crisis reveals that. Yeah. So some of us in the process are going to fail and some of us will do well. But I think that as leaders, we set tone. We remind people of what matters most. We take comfort in the Lord. This is that time, the bedrock foundation of faith means something, that uh, the, the chaff burns away, if you will. And so I like, as we look back at it, this text is just a great reminder that our direction is Godward, not worldward, if that if I could use that term, that, uh, you know, as, as we look at the world, then we're just going to join in the hysterics. But you go back in the history of the church. I was just, you know, doing some reflecting today. I love church history. And uh, there were a couple pandemics in the Roman Empire. And one was in the second century. One was in the fourth century. And uh, in the second century, uh, the Bishop of Carthage uh, demonstrated remarkable courage that Christians were going in when, when essentially the pandemic hit, the pagans, as they are referred to, uh, would abandon their own sick and the Christians would rush in to help. They would be the ones that would tend to the ill, oftentimes infecting themselves. After the time of Constantine, there was a apostate emperor, Julian the Apostate, which is a great name for anybody. I don't know that I would want to be called Rob the Apostate. His name shall be Julian the Apostate. I know, right? If you're fascinated with church history, it's the nephew of Constantine. So Constantine says Christianity's favorite religion, and Julian came and said, not so fast. He's an emperor, and he's like, hey, let's bring back the old Roman gods. But the Roman gods were empty. So when a pandemic hit the Roman Empire in the 300s, the pagan gods were nowhere to be found and the pagan adherents were nowhere to be helpful. But the followers of Christ were, and Julian, the apostate, he wrote a letter to like one of his pagan bishops saying, this is embarrassing. These Christians are outperforming acts of kindness. And uh, you can Google all this or show, look on Wikipedia, it's all there. But it's fascinating because this just shows how people of faith, when they're steady and holding holding firm to their faith, then God can do really good things with it. But again, it just reveals who we really are all along. Yeah. As leaders, we want to set the tone. We want to be the ones that turn to the Lord and take our community to the Lord and challenge our community to get in the Lord's presence. I wonder how many pastoral staffs these past weeks, as they've had to make decisions on whether they close or not, have actually started those meetings with a moment of prayer. 
And I also wonder how many leaders gathered around before they flipped on Fox News or CNN or NBC decided, let's pray and see what the Lord would have for our community. And then not only that, Bill, I loved what you said, and you brought us back to church history, the power of being a Christian. We are called to love and to serve those around us, and we need to be the ones ready. How do we respond to this? We need to be ready and steady to march in and care and love and look out for those around us that are in trouble. My wife, I love her dearly. She is such a a saint. She our neighbor is in his 80s. He's a widower, and uh, she has just been calling him every day. And he said to her yesterday on the phone, he said, please keep calling on me. It feels good. And I think that is our response as Christians. We need to be ready to find those in need and care. And I love that Jehoshaphat passage because this is what happens as he's done praying. One of the men stand up, Jehaziel. It's actually a boy. It's a boy. Yeah. yeah. The Spirit of the Lord comes on this boy. And he says, listen up. King of Jehoshaphat, he makes this vast announcement. He said, here's what the Lord says. So now he speaks on the behalf of the Lord. And I think as Christians and and community members, we can encourage one another. Bill, you can encourage me. I can encourage you by speaking into you hope and encouragement that the Lord may have for you. And this is what this boy says to the king and all the people present. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And I want to end with that because I think that's the encouraging word we want our people to realize that this is a serious virus and a disease. We want to be wise in how we handle it. We want to turn to the Lord, ask for his guidance, but we also need to remember that at the end of the day, these battles are not ours, they're the Lord's. So I appreciate, Rob and Bill, your willingness to join us today on the Transforming Discipleship Podcast. Your perspectives are so helpful in this crucial, difficult time as we're trying to figure out how to go forward. If you're interested later on, you could consider joining Bill uh, later this week on a webinar, um, or you can also tune into the next episode of the Transforming Discipleship Podcast as we explore what it means to do discipleship in spite of social distancing. You may be interested in that, so we hope to see you then.